welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Banner Monday, where we begin each week the best way that we know how, and that is by talking IU basketball and by talking Big Ten basketball. The season officially tips tomorrow, finally. So I figured this would be the best day to kick off Banner Monday again. And I don't know that we'll do every single Monday, but certainly most Mondays throughout the season. We will be right here just as we were last year, talking IU basketball, previewing upcoming games, talking about the Big Ten. And this year, we are actually going to switch the order around a little bit. So if you joined us for Banner Monday last year, you know that we started out with the mailbag and then we brought in Mike DeCourcy for a weekly segment. But we are going to do that kind of in reverse this year. So Mike DeCourcy from the Big Ten Network and the Sporting News, he's back once again this year to help us make sense of IU basketball, to help us make sense of the Big Ten. And so we're going to kick things off with him and then do the mailbag afterwards. So let's do it. Mike DeCourcy is here. He's ready to talk hoops. And this year we have theme music for him. Mike, <laughs> welcome back to the assembly call. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's perfect, you know, because we all want to be like Mike. By the way, is that the greatest sports commercial of all time? Like it uh, is, it is objectively, I, right? I don't know. I'm, I, I'm very partial to the mayhem ones with the uh, various college football theme themes they have. Oh, that's I, true. Those are good. I really dig those. They are, he, he's great. And the, the campaign is great. Uh, and the tailgater on his way to tailgating. Uh, that's, 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 that's a pretty good. It is good. It is good. Well, we're really happy that you're back. Thank you so much for doing this again this year. And I guess we should start out, you know, like we always do. Let's talk about the Hoosiers and let's okay. get your your thoughts on Indiana as we head into the season. Obviously, dealing with some backcourt injuries right now, but as you, you know, kind of look out and you know, kind of project this Indiana team, what do you expect from IU this year? Boy, that's that's a great question uh, because I don't know what to expect. Uh, the way I would put it, the best way I can put it, is that the guys you are counting on to be answers remain questions. I think that's the best way to put it. And what I mean by that, uh, Justin Smith, a guy who is a dynamic player who could be an all big 10 level defender, a, a, a game changing defender, a, a glue guy has not been a 100% committed player on the floor. His attention span goes, his commitment to executing what he's asked to do goes and so there's that question, Devontae Green, a guy who I, I, I look at the, uh, the, the, the best way to look at him is in, is in a microcosm, the Ohio State game. Early in the game, did three or four things that were just baffling. I mean, just inexplicable. And then late in the game, did things that were magical and almost, almost transformational for the season. And so that can't be. I mean, he, they are veteran guys now. One's a junior, one's a senior. They have to be answers now. If this team is going to move forward, they have to know that they're going to get 30 solid minutes out of Justin Smith, where every time out he is giving all his effort and all his attention toward winning basketball. And Devontae has to go out expecting to be a shot maker, a shot creator, uh, a facilitator at times, and and a guy that his teammates can count on to be great when they need him to be. And he doesn't have to be an all Big Ten level player. Maybe he will be. He doesn't have to be. 
but he has to be reliable. And if those two things happen, then a lot of things change for the Hoosiers. If they could have that, then everybody that around, around those two, that to this point in their career, mostly because of injury, hasn't had the opportunity to be a consistent contributor, those guys now become players who can add to, to the mix. Instead of you saying, well, we have to have this out of Justin Hunter, say, or we have to have this out of Demise Anderson. If we don't get this, how can we win games? Instead, it's just, boy, if we get that from one of those two guys on a night, we should be okay. Or or, or Trace Jackson Davis, who hasn't had an opportunity yet because he's a freshman. But if we can get out of him consistency, uh, effort, facilitation. He's a really good passer, especially on the interior. Uh, You, if you get, you know, if you get health out of Deron Davis, I mean, everything else with Deron has been mostly a given. I mean, he's a great finisher when he gets the ball in the post. He's great one-on-one. Okay. Passer out of the post when he gets double Uh, warrior. If so, if you get health out of him, then you're great. And, and if you don't, Joey Brunk, you just need Joey Brunk to play to a to a to maybe not even the the full level of his talents. You just need him to to approximate his talents if you get those two starting things. And again, if you get those two starting things, and then the best case scenario for all those other players I've mentioned and some who I haven't, then you have a team that can contend for the for the, the highest level of Big Ten, whether it's for the title or second or third. Let's say you can contend for a Big Ten bye, which means you've had a heck of a season. We'll talk about power rankings in a minute and kind of figure out where Indiana fits into your hierarchy. In terms of expectations for what this team can be, for what this team should be, like what do you think is a reasonable expectation? For example, a lot of fans like myself think this team should make the NCAA tournament in Archie Miller's third year. Is that fair to put on this team and to put on him as a coach now in his third season? I don't think it's fair to put it on him, but I think it's fair to put it on them in the way that I just did. Arch didn't necessarily recruit those guys. And for various reasons, it's, you know, first of all, it being not the ideal thing. If they want to be at Indiana, they should be at Indiana. So for ver- that's the first reason why running them off is not a good thing. Second reason running them off isn't a good thing is that they can be good players. And the third reason it's not good is because my, my understanding is that there were APR challenges that had to be overcome and that removing them uh, would make, would exacerbate. So there's three good reasons why you, they didn't move on from those players, but a lot of coaches in a lot of circumstances would have just said, this isn't worth the headache. It's too hard. Uh, We, we could, if I, if I had two new players in those positions, they might not be as good. They might not be as talented, but they'd always be there. Probably would have been McKinley Wright, actually. So, <laughs> so yeah. So, I mean, that's that that goes back to what I'm talking about. It, that those guys, though, if those guys are the players that they're capable of being, I'm not asking either one. I'm not asking Devontae to come out and be Isaiah Thomas. I don't ever do that as as an analyst to Big Ten Network. I don't ever ask a player to do what he's not capable of doing. I it, that some some in various sports will say, boy, you know, that guy just doesn't do that. Well, that guy's not capable of doing that. That's why he doesn't do it. So I don't, I'm not asking Justin Smith to be 
you know, a 40% three-point shooter. It's not who he's been as a player. If he becomes it, great, but it's not who he's been. So I'm not saying he needs to do that. I'm saying he needs to play hard for 30 minutes a night and follow what the game plan is. If he does that, he's a really positive player. If if Green, if Devontae, if he just takes quality shots, you know, on occasion, late clock, okay, you know, you're probably the best creator late. Good. Go ahead, do it. But don't take tough shots in the first 15 seconds, 10 seconds of the shot clock, that kind of thing. So I'm not asking those guys to be anything they can. I'm asking them to do what they're capable of doing. And if they do those things, then this team could or should be an NCAA tournament team. But I can't hold Arch responsible for that. I I think he has to hold them accountable for that. But in the past year, last season, I should say, he couldn't hold them accountable with playing time because everybody you had to put in for him was hurt. So you can't, you can't, playing time is what changes behaviors. If you don't, if you don't do these things, you don't play. Not going to, you know, I'm not going to run you out of the program, but if you don't do these things, you don't play because this guy will do those things and will be better because he's doing them than we would be with you not doing them, even if you're more talented. And so that's that. So now if they don't do those things and he's got healthy options sitting on the bench and he doesn't hold them accountable, then it's on. Mm, Good point. So let's expand our view a little bit. Let's look at the big 10. We'll start with power rankings. And typically last year you gave your top four um, at the beginning of the season. Indiana was in those. So that worked out pretty well. (laughs) Not so much by the end of the year, Uh, but let's do your top four and then let us know where Indiana kind of fits in in your current big 10 hierarchy. Okay, so one would be Michigan State, even though the chemistry for them has been dramatically altered since we did our preseason ranking uh, back in mid-October. We did our preseason top 25 for Sporting News, and Michigan State was our one. And I looked it up. I looked up every single – before we did ours, we we were later than than some because I, I do some other things now in addition to college basketball. So we were later than some. Uh, and I looked up everybody, Blue Ribbon, Lindy's, Athlon, uh, Street and Smith's, uh, AP. Well, I I think AP came out after us, but I kind of knew where they were going to go with given what everybody else was doing. Uh, uh, CBS, NBC, ESPN, everybody picked Michigan State. And I think if you went back now and you did the same polls or the same rankings from all those people, I'm not sure whether Michigan State would be unanimous now. Losing Joshua Langford is a significant blow to them, and so we'll see starting tomorrow night uh, where in what direction they evolve. You know what, how that affects them. They started Rocket Watts in their uh, in their exhibition. Rocket as a six-two uh, guard, uh, very highly regarded out of high school. But starting Rocket next to Cassius Winston makes them a really small team. They a lot smaller than a lot of big time programs. And Cash is not a great defender. I think we all know that. He's turned out to be a little better last year than than he'd given any us any indication he would be in the two prior years. But he's not a great defender. And so then you put a small freshman next to him, six two, I think, uh, is Rocket. Uh, doesn't necessarily bode well for them being the, a Michigan State style defensive team. So that that. That's a problem. Gabe Brown, uh, another option. Uh, terrific uh, athlete. Uh, 
a really good shooter. Um, I think they have some questions about, you know, whether he does the Michigan State thing, so to speak. Uh, you know, does he chew nails, as I like to say. Uh, I, I don't know whether they feel that about him yet. Um, some of that might be confidence related, you know, being a freshman in that system, uh, you, you're surrounded by so many good players and they, they you, you can't afford to dip. So you don't always get the longest run. So maybe a longer run, he'll show it, but they have questions at that spot. It's still though, even given all those uh, issues that Langford's absence creates, uh, they still are a pretty clear favorite to win the league. Uh, after them, most people have been saying Maryland, uh, and I think Maryland's very talented and certainly could finish second, but I prefer Ohio State at this point. I think Ohio State has a, a really solid core. In, in some ways, that Michigan State, excuse me, Ohio State and Maryland are a lot alike. They both have deep groups of wings. Maryland's are more dynamic and better offensive players. Ohio State's are a little bit, you know, they're not quite as high, high you know, as high motor. Or, not high motor is not the right. They're not quite as uh, electric, hmm. but they're tougher. And I, I like to side with tougher. Uh, and so that's, you know, that's – and now, and now these power rankings are not having studied anybody's schedule to the, to the you know, do I, like maybe Maryland's got a better schedule so that – put them ahead, but they're pretty close, but I would say Ohio state and then Maryland because of what I said about that toughness. You know, I like Dwayne Washington's toughness. I like Luther Muhammad's toughness. I think those guys, they're going to get after you. And I, and I, I, I'm not saying Maryland is soft, but I don't think that they have the same degree of that quality that uh, Ohio state does. And then fourth, I go with Purdue Uh, pretty close between Purdue and Wisconsin for me. Uh, Purdue, uh, uh, I, I, you know, I think they're, they're a little bit tougher to play against than Wisconsin right now. Wisconsin, you know, one of the things that people are all talk uh, with, with Wisconsin, how do they, how do they deal without Ethan Happ? I mean, he averaged 20 a game and 10 a game off, off the boards. And, and the way Wisconsin deals with losing Ethan Happ is they become Wisconsin again, because when Ethan was the player that he was, they had to abandon a lot of their principles and throw the ball in the post, which why wouldn't you? I mean, the guy was an automatic bucket if he caught it one-on-one. So they, they went away from a lot of what they did with Nate Reavers. Uh, they can become more Wisconsin. And so if they, if they stay healthy and if uh, you know, if they get the, they get maybe some improved shooting from Brad Davison uh, and they get the kind of shooting that they got last year from Trice uh, then I think that they can be a strong fifth. Uh, relative to Indiana, I think there's a group from from five, and I would include Wisconsin, but like I said, probably clearly at the top of this list, five down to about 11, maybe 12 in the league. That you just look at it, it's, okay, the best case scenario is this team finishes fifth or sixth, and the worst case scenario is they're down at the bottom third of the league and everybody's wondering you know, what the future is. And some of the, some of what happens in regards to that is injury as happened to Indiana last year with, you know, when they started at the top, you know, at the high end of that, you know, which, which way they're going to go kind of deal. They started at the high end and then all the injuries took their toll and a few other things that some of the problems I mentioned with the various players and they wind up in the middle of it or the, the bottom, 
bottom middle of it and they, and they don't get to the show. So that's, and then some of it could be scheduled. I mean, Illinois a year ago uh, needed a lot to go right to be successful. And what went wrong was they overscheduled. They go to Maui and they're right there with good teams like Auburn and Gonzaga and, but they can't win the game. Uh, and so then they go and they play Notre Dame on the road in the, uh, in the challenge and they're right there, but they can't win the game. And by the time they get to Christmas time, all they know how to do is lose. And then took them another month and a half to figure out how to win a game. So some of it can be that. And some of it can be just uh, what uh, one of my friends in the friend's former coach is now an analyst uh, calls good coach, bad coach balls in the air. You know, you've played a pretty even game balls in the air at the end, good coach, bad coach, which way it's going to go, you know, and, and that sometimes is the differential between teams, but all those teams have strengths, uh, you know, you throw Iowa in there, you know, good coach, bad coach, that could be come down to Jordan Bohannon's hip, you know, uh, or say Rutgers. Um, does Mulcahy develop into the kind of point guard they need so that they can play their best players in the positions where they're best? If he doesn't, then you got another year, Geo Baker playing out of position at point, and maybe they don't get to be as good as you want them to be. And all those, all those teams have positives. There's a few at the bottom. Uh, that it, it will be really impressive if they can finish not at the bottom. Northwestern, Nebraska being the most obvious examples of that. But Penn State, uh, you know, some of the others I've mentioned, uh, Minnesota, I mean, they all have some good players, and then they need, you know, some minor miracles, you know, guys that we didn't see coming to maybe push them ahead. And maybe not tough luck like, you know, Minnesota's already had with, Eric Curry and his his injury. I want to ask you one more question about Michigan State because it's just been assumed since the day last season ended that they're the prohibitive favorite. I mean, I, maybe since that great Wisconsin team from 2015, whenever it was, I don't know if we've entered a season with a team where everybody is just handing it to them. And I get it, but you know, I've had some conversations with people, and there's like a little Michigan State backlash happening now. But there's there's a couple points that I think make sense. You made a good one about Joshua Langford. That's obviously going to hurt. But are we, in the spirit of toughness, which you talked about, and the, the, the power of toughness, are we underrating what they're losing from last year? McQuaid's three-point shooting and defense, Goins' three-point shooting and rebounding. Even Nick Ward, who was kind of an enigma but was tough, could block shots, was, a, was an efficient guy around the basket. And they're you know, replacing him with some guys like Watts and some of these other guys. I feel like what those guys are taking with them was a big part of the identity that made that team good last year. And can they replace that with some of these younger guys? Well, I, you know, Ward, I, I, Ward was physically tough, but uh, but I don't think was always mentally tough. And yeah. that was the problem that uh, that they had. And it was really resolved with Xavier Tillman. When when Nick got hurt and Xavier became a full-time player, the starter who got most of the minutes, they became a better team. Yeah. So lose what Nick can't, could provide you uh, at times. But if you went down toward the end of last year, uh, once he got hurt and they replaced him with Xavier Tillman and they be, and Michigan state became a better team. There weren't many times when Nick came into the game and was a difference maker. And I remember writing or saying, uh, on TV that if Nick Ward could become a difference maker as a substitute, that could be one of the things that got them to the final four, to the championship or whatever. And it, and, and they ended up getting the final four without that ever really happening. And then perhaps, you know, in, uh, in the, in the game against Texas tech, if he'd come out and, 
and been a force underneath and fought for some low post buckets. I mean, they weren't that far off from winning the game, but he didn't change that. So I, I don't think that the loss there is transformative. Yeah, I feel lo- like the other two would be bigger than Ward. The loss of McQuaid wouldn't have been really that big a deal because you're basically trading him for Langford, who was, who is, you know, more dynamic, uh, at least as good a defender, if not better, and worth uh, about half dozen points a game more. Because remember, you didn't have Langford from January 10th or whatever it was on through the rest of the year. So they won, they beat Michigan three times with no Langford. So you're basically trading one for the other if he's good to go. So I, you know, in the, in the initial analysis, it wasn't that big a loss either. So the one guy that's the loss is Goins. And I don't know exactly what they do to replace him yet. I mean, I think Thomas Kithier started the exhibition. I don't think that's a, you know, Thomas Kithier being Thomas Kithier is a great thing to have. Thomas Kithier trying to be a, you know, a 30 minute player, I don't think is the answer. They've got other young players that they can try there. Uh, and they hopefully, you know, uh, like a Bingham or somebody like that, that they hope can be that guy. Uh, I don't think Kithier can be uh, a, is, is likely to be a starter on a team that is a top two team, which is what they were projected to be. So, uh, you know, could they win the league with that? Yeah, maybe. Um, because again, the, the contenders are all good, but they're not elite. Uh, and with a, you know, with a Cassius Winston uh, at point guard and a Xavier Tillman on the inside. And if Aaron Henry steps up in the way that he's capable of, then you can probably still be the best team in the league, but that's not where this team wants to go. I, I don't think they just want to win the big 10. I mean, they did that a year ago. They were happy with that. They, 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 they certainly don't devalue big 10 championships, but given what they, what their horizons were entering the year. I don't think that that's where it stops. So we've got time for about one more question and we'll go with a listener question. This is from Adam and he basically wants to know in, you know, in your travels around the big 10 teams and what you've heard, you know, this off season, what players or teams have particularly surprised you maybe because they're, you know, playing better or you're hearing better things or, or maybe even on the other end that, you know, some guys aren't developing as you thought What would have been the biggest surprises this off season. Well, you know, I think that uh, probably the biggest surprise that that I've heard to date would would be at you know at, at Illinois, where you know they're trying to play too big. So what, I, I think it maybe that isn't just limited to Illinois. The number of teams that are going to try to play too bigs this year, and that's not just centric to the to the Big Ten, but it's it's kind of the capital of it. Uh, uh, you know, the the, the most uh, obvious example of that might be Kansas, uh, you know, in terms of nationally, because they've got Azabuke and they're probably going to play him with Silvio de Sosa. Um, but you know, the, the idea of Purdue playing two bigs, um, you know, with, uh, with Matt Harms and Travion Williams or Illinois playing two bigs with Bashanish Philly moving over to power forward so that they can facilitate the arrival of their big freshmen. Uh, those that's that's kind of really interesting to me because the game had been trending so much toward the perimeter and maybe by the end of the year everybody's back to that because these guys can't guard the pick and roll or whatever but this is an interesting year to do this because of the moving of the line back a foot plus the moving moving the three-point line back um that 
that sort of changes the chemistry of the, the perimeter game. Maybe it creates a little more space for the bigs. Maybe it puts a little bit more pressure on teams to be able to get the ball to the baseline, if not to the rim. And so I think that's probably been the biggest surprise, given the way the league, uh, not the NBA, when I say the league, I mean the capital league, uh, the way the league has gone in, in orienting so much toward the perimeter and, and the stretch four and the ability to make three-point shots, uh, to see teams like Purdue and Illinois in particular uh, going more toward that too big. Uh, you know, Indiana could try that as well uh, with Joey Bronk and, and Deron Davis. I, I don't know if that's the immediate plan, but it would be an option for them if, A, it looks prudent, or, B, they have to counter what other teams do. More likely to probably be Trace, I would imagine, with one of those guys. It'd be pretty tough. That'd to be, get. You know, and, you know, and Trace, is a, Trace has not been the shooter um, that you'd like a stretch for to be, but he's so good with the basketball. Uh, and he's, and he's, and he's, you know, mobile enough that I don't know whether I would think of him as a second big, I think of him as a true power forward. Yeah. Uh, you know, the conventional power forward. So I guess maybe that would fit the description as well. Uh, where you're, you know, you're playing a guy who, you know, who, who isn't necessarily a perimeter threat yet. Uh, but you know, I, you know, I think if trace wants to become the player that he, you know, has the, has wants to have the future that he can have as a player, he probably is going to need to continue to stretch his uh, his touch away from the goal. Boy, he's been impressive early too. He's been really impressive. Hopefully, he carries that into the regular season. Absolutely, I, I loved him when I saw him at the Peach Jam last year. It, it, it his his understanding of the game, uh, his his facility with the ball. I was I, I it always catches my eye when big guys can pass. Uh, because it's it's not that common. Being able to throw the ball out of a double team is one thing, but being able to see openings that that don't, others don't see, uh, that's a really rare skill. And I think he has that. And he's obviously got a great hunger for the ball off the rim. Uh, I, I think he's going to be a very productive player for uh, for for the Hoosiers. And and I'm excited to see what he's got. And, and I like the way they've built their schedule because it's going to get really hard in December. Agree. Some of that's built for them, but it's going to get really hard in December. Yeah, a lot of these games aren't super sexy, but man, the whole idea, you know, it's funny. People complain all the time. Wins are sexy, Mike. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Winning is a skill. You know, we don't, we don't give a guy a ball and say, okay, make that 22-foot jumper. Well, I've never shot the basketball thing before. Well, yeah, but you got to do it. And yet we expect teams to go, okay, go, you know, go beat, uh, go beat Florida state. Well, yeah, but I mean, I did, I don't, I haven't beaten anybody yet. So that's, you know, you got to win games. So the ability to do that is a skill. And a lot of these guys either have the ability to win or lose or haven't played yet. So the, the the wins that they get over the course of the next month, you know, for their sake, hopefully they get pretty much all of them. Um, but those wins over the course of the next month uh, are, will be very important to understanding then when they start to see the progression of Big Ten opponents and Notre Dame, et cetera. Um, those teams, when they start to see them, they'll under, have a better understanding of how to solve those problems. 
By the way, I just want to point out about five minutes ago when you're talking about Illinois, how their center, Georgie, his last name just rolled off your tongue. You're in midseason form already. It was like you were saying your own last name. I'm not even going to try it, but I was impressed at how easily you did it. (laughs) I'm great with Georgie's name now. We had enough practice, but the one that is going to be problematic for me, you know, like Nebraska lost their entire team, the entire team, except one guy, the guy whose name is hardest to pronounce in the entire league. (laughs) Beer Thorbjarnison. I think I got that right. But that's 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 a challenge every single time, and especially when you're not just sitting here saying his name like I just did, but trying to say something intelligent about him. <laughs> yeah. Really a challenge. Well, Mike, thank you so much for the insight. We appreciate it. We're looking forward to doing this every week, and go have fun tomorrow night. You will be at the Champions Classic, I assume, right? I'm I am in New York as we speak. This is my hotel room. Uh, looking forward to it. It should be terrific. One, two, three, and four. What a night. What a night. We'll all be paying attention to Indiana, Western Illinois, but the rest of college basketball will have a will have a wonderful night watching those teams play. <laughs> Thanks, Jared. Cool. Thanks, Mike. Have a great time there. You too. All righty. The great Mike DeCourcy. Join us here on Banner Monday. We always appreciate his insight. Um, good stuff there. Good stuff there, as always. Uh, okay. So it's just me. Ryan is not here. Uh, he's going to be back next week, probably. Let me adjust my camera real quick because it got a little messed up. Um, so we've got some mailbag questions though, and we will get to those. Um, before we do that, you know, we always do a banner moment, obviously didn't get a chance to do that, uh, at the top of the show, since we're just going to start running it right in, uh, with Mike, which I think works a little bit better. Um, but really the banner moment for me came earlier today. Archie addressed the media, Al Durham addressed the media. We got injury updates, uh, which I'll get to here real quick, but you know, I really keyed in on something that Al Durham said, and credit to John Blau of the Herald Times who tweeted this out. Uh, Al was asked about the vibe of the team, and he said, quote, we've upped it a notch. It's just a different vibe, and I feel like everybody's on the same page. I feel like we are ready to go to war with each other. And, you know, that really stands out given the juxtaposition of this season to last season. Because last season, it constantly felt like a team that really wasn't on the same page. And, you know, look, we have no idea what things are like off the court. We're not with the team. But we just see for those 40 minutes when the guys are on the court, they didn't seem like they were on the same page. They just didn't seem like they had a lot of chemistry. Certainly, you know, when you get down whatever it was, 19 to nothing to Michigan and some of the big deficits, they didn't seem like a group that was really there fighting for each other for, you know, a good portion of the season. And we know all the reasons, blah, blah, blah. We don't need to get into all of that. But... You know, and we heard some in the offseason about how it, it was good chemistry. It just didn't, you know, manifest itself on the floor. Fine, you know, whatever. What matters is on the floor. And so I think for Al to say that, that certainly matches what we've heard. You know, and I think it matched to a certain extent what we saw even just in that first exhibition game, you know, where you know, down to basically one guard and you're kind of struggling there early in the game. You know, a Division II t- team takes a lead on you with two and a half minutes left in the first half, and they really came out together in the second half and really played hard together and kind of refocused together. And so, you know, we won't really know, you know, if there's anything to this quote, obviously, until we start playing better teams and kind of see some games go. But, you know, for, the, for, for your team's leader, your team's captain, like Al Durham, to come out and say that, I really take that as a good early sign. Um, so, and probably, you know, team captains across the country are saying things like that. But I just, I especially like, you know, we've upped it a notch. It's a different vibe. I don't know if he meant to compare it to last season, but it certainly sounded like a comparison to last season. And for a team that is going to struggle a little bit in terms of not having maybe the greatest individual talent at every position on the floor at all times, which sometimes you felt like last year with two great individual players in Romeo and Juwan, but 
you know, the the whole never quite seem or the sum never quite seem to to equal or exceed, you know, the the sum of the parts. That to me is going to be how it's going to be part of the formula for how this team exceeds those expectations is being on the same page, being ready to go to war with each other. So I was really happy to see that from Al. Injury update. A lot of you asked for the injury update. So here's what Archie said. Heading into the Tuesday night game against Western Illinois, Devontae Green is out. Dealing with that thigh issue, apparently there's no timetable right now for his return. So that's a little concerning. You know, I mean, this is now stretched out for longer than a month, it seems. And we obviously need to get him back out there, get him in rhythm. He is, you know, this team's best one-on-one scorer and I think has a skill set that really no one else can replace. And so you all know what I think of Devontae for this season. He won't play. I mean, I don't think it's going to make a big difference for the first few games, but what you're really missing is that chemistry development and practice and just him being in rhythm and all the reps that can make you better. Um, So, you know, we'll just have to wait and see when he comes in there. Rob is a game time decision. So dealing with that abdominal issue, you know, was able to play the 13, 14 minutes in the first exhibition game. Sounds like he's feeling a little bit better, but obviously still not 100% back. Al Durham is back. He rested his knee. He'll be ready to go. So your guards for that Western Illinois game, Al Durham, Armand Franklin, you know, that that's who we'll be rolling with. Hopefully we get some minutes from Rob Finnessy as well, but it's going to be those two guys. And, you know, obviously, you know, we've seen what Al can do. We've seen what Armand can do, at least in an exhibition game. Those two guys are going to have to play well. Because I'll tell you this, you know, when you look at this uh, Western Illinois team, I mean, obviously no great team. They are preseason Ken Palm 296. Uh, and their coach has been there for the last six years. They have never won more than 12 games total. They've never won more than five games in their league. So this is the caliber of opponent. You know, I think Ken Palm has Indiana predicted to win by 24, uh, something like that, by 23, uh, with a with a 98% chance of victory for Indiana. So, you know, we expect this to be a dominant performance from Indiana. But I will tell you this, this what the Western Illinois team does have is a couple of guys who have made some three-pointers. So Kobe Webster is a junior guard. He shot 40.1% or 40.9% last year from three-point range. CJ Duff, another guard, he shot 42.6% uh, from three-point range last year. So, you know, Al and Armand definitely going to have to be on point guarding those shooters. Uh, you know, both guys kind of short, six foot and six one. So Al and Armand, six four, uh, six three, six four, or whatever Armand is. Um, so certainly we'll have the size advantage, expect to have the athleticism advantage. But that's kind of been the path for teams that come into Assembly Hall and have made things you know, a little bit uh, uncomfortable early in the season for Indiana these last couple of years is they can make threes. So the perimeter defense will really need to be on point, and there's not going to be a whole lot of depth uh, behind Armand and Al out there. So those guys really need to be ready to go. I expect that they will. Uh, you know, And really, when you look at this game, they do have some size, but it's not great functional size, and they're a team that has really uh, you know, put teams on the free throw line a lot, and you would expect uh, that to be a big part of what Indiana's going to do. Um, okay, so we're going to get into these mailback questions now. I do want to make a quick note. If you need tickets as you go throughout this season, iutickets.shop. Use that URL. It will redirect you to the IU basketball page on SeatGeek. That's where you can get, obviously, the best deals on, on IU tickets. Uh, use the promo code ASSEMBLY. You'll get $10 off your first purchase. And when you use that URL, iutickets.shop, we actually get paid a commission. So it's a really nice way to support the show for tickets that you're going to buy anyway. iutickets.shop is the URL. And don't forget to check out our friends at Homefield Apparel, homefieldapparel.com. 
just exchanged text with uh, Connor earlier today about a potential new piece of assembly call merchandise that we're going to try and get out before Christmas. So I don't want to like spoil it or anything, but hopefully we can get that done before Christmas because I think it'd be pretty cool. And obviously, all the Indiana gear that they have there, go check it out, homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code ASSEMBLY20, ASSEMBLY20, all season long to get 20% off your purchase. Okay, uh, let's roll through some of these questions now. And um, folks, uh, uh, chat mob, if you guys have questions, um, throw them in the chat there and uh, let me know and I'll try and get to those too. Okay, uh, from Michael, I'm curious what you predict IU's non-conference, Big Ten conference, and overall regular season records will be. Uh, He says, you may have already covered this, but I've listened to every episode, but I've also slept since then. So... You know, let's start here with kind of a baseline of what Ken Palm predicts. And the, the Ken Palm projections are now out. And Ken Palm projects Indiana to go 19 and 12 and 10 and 10 in conference play. And actually, every single non conference game projected as a win. Now, some of those are kind of close. The Florida State game is, you know, a 53% chance of victory for Indiana. The Connecticut game, 64%. Notre Dame, 54%. Arkansas, 66%. So probably if you actually calculated all that out, it would be, you know, the 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 probability would be that Indiana would go three and one in those games. Um, you know, so just have the one loss in non-conference. And I would like to say that that's what my prediction is, but I kind of have a feeling that this team is going to drop a couple of games in the non-conference schedule. I don't know which games they will be. I don't necessarily think they're going to lose any of the ones in November, although that Louisiana Tech team is, you know, preseason 110 uh, on November 25th. So that's, you know, certainly uh, the toughest of all those games. But I'm, you know, I'm just a little worried that when December hits, with how much our guards have been out, that concerns me a little bit. It concerns me that Rob's been out all month with this abdominal injury. It concerns me that Devontae Green has been out. And, you know, those guys are now, once they get back, now they're going to be playing themselves into shape, playing themselves into rhythm. And yeah, it's great that we're facing Western Illinois, Portland State, North Alabama, Troy, like, you know, these teams that we should be able to beat. So I don't think we're going to drop any of those. But are we going to be fully in rhythm and ready to go by December 3rd when Florida State comes to town? You know, by December 10th when we go on a neutral court to take on Connecticut? You know, by December 21st when we face Notre Dame. These are not great teams, but they're certainly good enough teams to beat Indiana if Indiana delivers a B performance. And are we going to be at a point with those guys, with how important those guards are? I mean, you know, our starting point guard and starting shooting guard projected, you know, Rob and and Devontae, are we going to be at a point with those guys where we're clicking on all cylinders? I don't know. I certainly think we'll get there by January and February, but... I think December could be pretty rocky if those guys aren't getting back on the practice floor and getting back to 100% pretty soon. So if I had to bet money, I would say Indiana probably loses two non-conference games, goes 9-2 and two in the non-conference. Um, now, you've also got the, the Wisconsin game, uh, the Nebraska game there in December. Uh, that Nebraska home game certainly should be a win. Uh, although, you know, we said that last year, we remember what happened in that game, but you would certainly think that would be a win with what Nebraska has and, you know, playing at Wisconsin, you know, haven't won at the Kohl center yet. So I certainly think it's possible. I don't think this Wisconsin team is great, but again, you went on the road with guards. Where are, where's our guard rotation going to be on December 7th? I don't really know that yet. So as you project it forward into big 10 play, you know, Ken Palm with the 10 and 10 projection there, I think we'll be a little bit better than that. You know, I think this team's going to come around toward the end of the year because I think it's going to take us some time to get the guards healthy. 
I think Jerome Hunter is going to be a guy who's going to be a lot better in January and then better than that in February and then hopefully even better than that in March. And we know how important he is. Um, you know, so, and I think he's got a chance to really, really impact uh, this team. And I know we said that last year, but he wasn't able to get on the court. And this year he will be on the court. It's just a matter of, well, knock on wood, that he'll be able to stay on the court, but it's just a matter of him continuing to get better. Um, you know, so I think Indiana will get better than that. I think this team will win 20 games. I guess that's my, you know, ultimately that's where I, I land. I think this team wins 20 games, which I guess puts them at 20 and 11. Um, and like I said, I think they'll lose a couple in the non-conference. Um, I think they may even drop one or two early in conference play, but I think they project as a team given good health, if they can get healthy, that will get better as the season goes along. Um, you know, now we'll see talk is cheap this time of year, but that that's just kind of what I see. But you know, to get to this question that we had come in from Bill, you know, with both Green and Fantasy missing most of October practice time and only 11 scholarship players, how much ground are we losing to other teams in the conference? How long will it take to build team chemistry and cohesiveness? Individual improvement takes stiff competition, especially in practice time. And that's kind of the wild card for this season, you know, especially the early part of the season. So there are other teams dealing with injuries. You know, I think I saw Louisville, Malik Williams, and somebody else is out for a month. Like this happens. You know, it just so happens that the injuries for Indiana right now are concentrated in the one area where we don't have as much depth and, you know, with two of the three or four most important players on the roster and Rob Finnessy and Devontae Green. And that's where the concern comes in. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm concerned about it. I am. And, you know, obviously, you know, we'll have to take each game as it comes and kind of see and see how guys look and see when they're able to come back. But it's, you know, Archie even used the word concerning and I think he was right about it. So it makes it a little bit harder to project. I would be a little bit more bullish on what this team could do in the non-conference and early in conference play if you know we kind of just had you know those guards ready to go like we kind of thought we would all offseason. Uh, JD wants to know if it's possible to donate his hamstring to Devontae. Can't promise it's any good, but it is healthy-ish. Sounds like it might be better than what Devontae has right now. Um, so I don't think it's possible, but we all would certainly... Uh, we do appreciate uh, that sacrifice that you would be willing to make, JD. So thank you. Uh, from the outsider says through additions, losses, maturations, redefined roles, and whatever other factors, which position on this year's roster is the most marginally improved and which needs the most improvement in comparison to last year? He says, example, shooting guard may be apparent with Romeo Langford gone, but Devontae Green may limit that loss. You know, it's interesting. I mean, I, I kind of feel like Romeo ended up playing a lot more of the, the quote unquote three last year, um, you know, just kind of really that wing score. And I think that's really how you kind of look at it now is ball handlers, wings, and bigs. It's, it's, a, it's harder to look at it as just point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center, especially this year. Like, what is Justin Smith? He's going to play some three. He's going to play some four. What is Trace Jackson Davis? He's going to play some four. He's going to play some five. What is Al Durham? He's going to play one, two, and three. What's Jerome Hunter? You know, I mean, shoot, he may end up – he and Demise may play some two tomorrow night, you know, quote, unquote, that, that traditional. So, you know, I don't know that I want to get into as much which position – um, but you know, I, I will say this, you know, in terms of, of things that I think Indiana is going to be better at this year, I think one thing that I think we're going to be a lot better at is, and I think this is really important is the aggressiveness of our interior defense early in games. I feel like last year, Indiana gave up a lot of buckets early in games. Well, really one of two things happened. Either we played pretty aggressive defense and got fouled and then Juwan Morgan had to leave the game like against Arkansas and we really struggled on offense or we just played very passively defensively and would just get run out of the building before the game basically even started. 
And if you go into a game fearing picking up your first foul and that's causing you to not play as aggressive because your team can't stand to not have you on the court, I feel like that mentality seeps into everybody. So I feel like the interior defense with Joey Brunk, Deron Davis, Trace Jackson Davis, Race Thompson, Justin Smith, like all these bodies that you can run out there that are all good defenders, I like what we're going to be able to do from a toughness and aggressiveness down low. Now, we might have just flipped the problem, and now we're going to have an issue with you know with our guard defense, which I really thought aggressive on-ball defense was going to really spearhead a defensive improvement. Well, if you only have Al and Armand and a wounded Rob Finnessy, you know, those guys maybe can't take as many chances. But again, those guys aren't picking up as many fouls anyway, so I don't think it's as big of a deal. But I think that can have an impact for this team because I, I just... You know, you look back on last year, why did things go so wrong? Well, this team came out passively. They just played passive basketball early in games so often and would dig themselves these holes. And everybody's just like, good God, you know, here we go again. I mean, how many games did that happen? And I don't see that happening. You know, the first half against in the exhibition game against Gannon wasn't great. But I did like the aggressiveness that they came out from the opening tip. I mean, they came out and ran, and they played hard, and they were playing tough early in that game. Now, they went through that lull when the bench came in, and, and Archie talked about this in the postgame, and that's going to be a thing. You know, you want to be able to develop your bench so that there's not that big of a drop-off. A little bit difficult to do when you only have one guard who's at full strength. But I like the aggressiveness that they came out. And so I think that can be a really important thing for this year's team. Now, where... Uh, you know, where now there are deficiencies, and I, and I suppose that, you know, if you're looking at it positionally, and we've talked about this all offseason, wing score. You know, Romeo Langford, for all the faults or, or all the deficiencies that he had as a freshman, which a lot of freshmen do, he is one of the best freshman bucket getters in the history of this school, a school that's had a lot of good freshman bucket getters. And when you go back and look at some of Indiana's biggest games, he was there getting buckets at the end of the game. Indiana does not win at Michigan State without his ability to just go one-on-one, one-on-two, and go make a layup. You know, they obviously he you know hit the game winner against Wisconsin. He had others. You know, hit a big bucket against Louisville. Had some big plays down the stretch where it's like, hey, we need someone to go get a bucket. We're throwing it to you and go. Now, can Indiana replace that with more movement and more you know scoring out of sets and dumping it down low and inside out and all those things? I certainly think so. I certainly hope so. But I think we all understand that at certain points in time, basketball is a game where the team that has the guy who's the best at just going to get a bucket, sometimes that team's going to come out on top. And Indiana doesn't have that. Juwan was a guy who could do it down low. Romeo was a guy who could do it on the perimeter. And so we're going to have to see now, in those tough moments, who's that going to be? Devontae was kind of the clear guy you know, to, to who could assume that role. He's not playing right now. Jerome Hunter is a guy with inside-out skills who maybe could be that guy. You know, we certainly haven't seen him, you know, in any kind of rhythm yet. He's it's going to take him some time. So that to me is what's going to be really interesting to see now. What does Indiana do? But think about the Northwestern game. They gave it to you know Romeo cleared out. He went in and made the bucket. I mean that happened a lot last year, and so it's easy to talk about. You know, some of the things that, you know, we're going to be a better three-point shooting team without he and Juwan and this, that, and the other. And all of those things are true. But sometimes you got to have a guy to go get a bucket. Who are those guys going to be now? Because the offense is going to stagnate sometimes and the transition opportunities are going to dry up. And, you know, the three-point shots may not be falling. You know, 
who's going to be that guy like Romeo at the end of the first half of the Penn State game to just go rattle off like 10 straight points? Where's that guy? Hopefully, Devontae can be that guy. So that is is what I think is, you know, Indiana's not going to have this year, but I like the fact that I really think they're going to be able to come out and play with more aggressiveness from the get-go, again, assuming health. And that seems to be kind of a dangerous assumption right now with this program, unfortunately. Um, Robert, what are your three-point percentage predictions for Rob, Al, Devontae, Armand, and Jerome this year? I put a little bit of thought into this. Um, Devontae, I think he's going to shoot about 37.5%. That's less than last year. He shot a little over 40% last year. I think he shot 43% as a freshman. Um, I think it'll be a little bit down, but still good. I just think at a higher volume, he'll probably have a little bit of a lower efficiency, um, but that's fine. You'll take that trade-off. So I think he'll be about 37.5%, plus obviously the longer line you know, is going to affect percentages a little bit, you would think. Uh, for Rob, I think he'll be about 35%. You know, he was at 40 plus percent before the concussion, ended the year at 31%. So I just kind of look at probably somewhere in between those extremes is where he really is as a shooter, which is what he kind of projected as, uh, you know, from his high school days. So I think he'll be about 35%. Al shot 34.8% last year. I say he'll be right there. I think he's a better shooter now, but you know, the longer three-point line, and he'll probably take more shots. So he may not be able to be as selective with his three-point opportunities this year uh, as last year, or he may not want to be. You know, he may just get a higher volume, and typically got, you know, at a higher volume, the efficiency is going to go down a little bit. Um, so I, you know, I think right there, although I think that's one of all, all of these, that's the one that I think has the most room to improve, especially given, you know, what coach, you know, told us about his shot mechanics from being there uh, before the Gannon game. I think that's the one that has the most room to actually go up since that is exactly what he shot last year. Uh, Armand, I would project about 33%. He was a 39% shooter in high school, but he's now going to be, you know, playing college basketball, longer three point line, bigger athletes. He's, you know, he's a good shooter, not a great shooter. So I think he'll be right around there and that'd be fine given the other things that he gives you. Uh, for Jerome Hunter, I'm going to predict 28%, but I think it'll be a lot better in Big Ten play. I think given the small sample size that we've seen at Hoosier Hysteria and Gannon, his shot is really off right now. It looks good. Like the the release, you know, everything about it. I think he's got a really pretty jump shot. He's just off. Like he doesn't have confidence in it right now. It's long, it's short, it's kind of all over the place. So I think it's going to take him a little while to get acclimated. But I think once he does, that's a guy who could be shooting 35 36%. I just think... You know, he'll probably miss a bunch in the beginning and then uh, it'll take him some time to get going. So overall, you kind of look at all that and maybe try and average it out a little bit, you know, plus whatever Justin Smith does and, and maybe what Demise Anderson does. And if I had to just put a number on it, I think this team will shoot 35.5% from downtown this year. That would be my prediction. Last year, they shot 31.2%, I believe, which was awful. Um, if they shoot 35.5% last year, that was 112th in the nation. It's not great. You know, it's not what we came to know and love from those Tom Crean teams, but it's respectable and it's a heck of a lot better than what we've been doing. And that's a percentage that you can win with and consistently be a threat from the outside with. And if those guys are shooting those percentages, defenses have to respect them. And that's going to give a little bit more room and time to operate for Duran down low, maybe more space for Justin to cut. Like it'll just help space the floor. So those are the percentages um, that I would say. What do you guys think in the uh, in the chat mob? Are those percentages somewhat reasonable? I'll take a drink of water here real quick so I don't uh, cough again. By the way, let's go through some of these projections. Coach Tonsoni in the chat mob said uh, 21 and 10 was his prediction, which is basically what I said. He said 10 and 1 non-conference, 11 and 9 in the conference. 
Um, Aaron Schifron said 10 and 10 in conference. He said 19 and 12, which is exactly what Ken Palm predicted. Um, let's see. Okay. No one else put their, uh, put their projections out there. So that's what I think. My question for you is, what do you think? As you listen to this, send us a tweet at assembly call. I'd love to know what your uh, predictions are for the season. We'd love to know what your, you know, what do you think of the three point percentages and what do you think are the areas of this team that are most improved and, you know, that they're, they're going to be the, the biggest deficiencies. Let me know that as well. Um, okay. Ryan, uh, Brian thinks Hunter will hit 30% or better from three. I hope so. And I was, look, I'm trying to be really careful with Jerome Hunter because I'm really excited about him, you know, but also want to try and just tamp down any hype. But I, I look, he certainly has the mechanics to do it. Um, so I'm, and I, I, again, like I said, I think in big 10 play, he'll probably shoot 34, 35% from three. I just think he'll really struggle early on if the last couple of public appearances, uh, are any indication of what he's going to do come the regular season. But the mechanics are, the mechanics are all there. So tomorrow night, IU Western Illinois, we will be there for the post game show. I probably won't be there to host it uh, just because my wife has to work really late. So I think coach is going to host, um, and we'll see about a halftime show. We'll see how comfortable he is doing a halftime show, or I might be able to pop on there. I may just have to have my daughter with me while I do the halftime show. <laughs> so we'll see. So just if you go to assemblycall.com, you'll always be able to see. If the little video on there says IU Western Illinois halftime report, then you'll know that we're playing a halftime report. If it just says postgame show, then you'll know that we're just going to go right to the postgame show. Uh, Coach will be there. I think Ryan will be there. Andy, um, not sure about but we'll see. And then, you know, hey, we're going to be there after every single game. We'll be here on Mondays. So if you ever have questions for Mike DeCourcy or for the mailbag, uh, let us know on Monday and then, or, you know, before Monday. And then, of course, we'll be doing Assembly Call Radio every Thursday. So the Monday and Thursday shows kind of give us a chance to, you know, take a little breather from the games, assess what's happening. And then obviously the post game shows, we dive really hyper-focused into the actual games themselves. I know most of you know this, but we've picked up some new audience members, so just want to try to orient them on what's going on. Make sure that you go and subscribe to the email list at assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866. That way you'll get our weekly Six Banner Sunday news roundups as well as um, our post-game analysis emails as well. Um, Yeah, other than that... That is it. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening. My thanks to Mike DeCourcy for being here. As always, really excited he's going to be back with us. Um, and then Ryan should be with me for the mailbag next week. And like I said, keep joining us. Assembly Car Radio every Thursday. Post-game emails after every game. Post-game show after every game. And don't forget to check out the community, assemblycall.com slash community. Lots of great discussions going on in there, and that's where we get most of our questions. So give that a chance as well. All right, everybody. Talk to you tomorrow night after IU Western Illinois. Thank everybody for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys, for being here. Awesome to see you all. Going to go get this podcast up. And, uh, yeah. So I may talk to you on the post game show tomorrow night, but probably not. Probably not. But I'll definitely talk to you guys on Thursday night. All right, see y'all. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over 250 million. 
Play Now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase Player Five. Let me be straight with you. This is a radio commercial for three small business insurance. With three, your entire business is covered. So while you can't see the following scene, just know that this contractor's business is protected by three. Hey, toss me that drill. Yeah, man. Heads up. Oh, that looks expensive. Now this is an insurance moment. But three's got it covered. Three is a product of Berkshire Hathaway Direct Insurance Company. Three, no nonsense, just common sense. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding、right、your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait, Auto Trader.